they said, look, you're a bomb. And I'm going to bring you to be a bomb. Do you understand? And she was like, I love you. You you could do no wrong to me. I love naive Pokemon. It's great. Did you get more wood? Oh, yeah. I had a strategy of just feeding my Marowak all the drugs. That's not medical advice. I, I'm not liable. <laughs> Podcasts aren't real. You are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a Blastburn Radio special news bulletin. I am your anchor, Stephen Charbonneau, Jolly by Nature, and joining me today are my my good, good Pokemon friends. Uh, we have today Annabeth Maservier. I almost Hello. called you Annabeth Dryer. Yeah, I'm, I, we haven't done the fusion dance over here. <laughs> Maybe that's where Celeste is. We'll never know. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, we also have our good friend Patrick Miller. What's up, Pat? How's it going? So just as a, as a quick uh, news update for, for the show, in case you were not aware, um, we put out an announcement on Twitter and on our Discord. So again, if you want to keep up to, with what the show is doing, those are really the best places to get that information. But just in case you don't follow us there and you've been wondering, hey, it's been like three months, guys. Where's uh, where's my BBR at? Um, we're uh, officially on hiatus from the Nuzlocke World Tour. We've all individually just had a lot going on in our lives, and some of that has snowballed into something that just makes like a weekly stream commitment, frankly, impossible right now. And that's about as detailed as we wish to get on that. So we just kind of ask that you guys uh, respect our, our private lives and our privacy. Um, but we're bummed about it, and we're excited to get back as soon as we can get back. So we, we thank you guys for your patience. But we did tell you on social media that if we got a wild hair up our ass or if there was particularly compelling news that you might be hearing from us as we just sit down to talk shop, to talk Pokemon. And guys, there was some capital in news this week. The uh, news. Yesterday, as of this recording, uh, a metric atomic bomb of it went off. Uh, but before we jump into that, of course, do, 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 do. This is the Poke News. The Poke News. Now, I'm actually going to lead our, our show off today um, with the news that does not relate to the next titles of Pokemon, just because I know that some of you guys aren't consuming that information. And I do want you to be able to listen to the rest of the show. So once we get past this story, you can just stop, erase it, come back to it in, in six months, right? It's fine. But our probably our honestly biggest news story today is that as of yesterday, as of this recording, as of June 1st, uh, our, our sweet father, our, our Lord and Poke Savior, Junichi motherfucking Masuda is no longer employed at One Game Freak. Tis true. Masuda has left his position as what, what was his actual title? Managing director, managing director of Game Freak, uh, a company that he has worked at since 1989, since its founding uh to make the jump over to the pokemon company where he will be taking on the title of creative fellow and helping to curate the brand 
as a whole as opposed to just the video games produced by by Game Freak. Although I feel like that's a role he's already stepped into in recent years with his heavy hand on titles such as Pokemon BDSP and Pokemon Go, which were in fact not produced by uh, Game Freak. But yeah, guys, how how do we feel about like I, I feel like it is impossible to overstate the importance of Junichi Masuda to the modern interpretation of the Pokemon franchise and even to the Pokemon franchise back to its very beginning. He worked on Red and Green. He composed the music and learned to program better to make sure that those games got finished and then has directed them from Ruby and Sapphire all the way to XY, where he moved over to a producer credit instead, but has had a hand in the pot of literally every mainline Pokemon game. Um, how do we feel about this move to a, a more brand-centered position for Masuda? I mean, I think it makes sense, right? Like, we've talked about how Pokemon just <laughs> it used to be a game, and now it's like a worldwide like merchandising franchise. Like, it's everywhere. It's TV, it's movies, it's toys, it's all over the place. And, like, I think any big company that deals with IP, like, well, like, Disney um, will tell you that managing your IP and, like, your brand identity is key to success. It's, like, one of the reasons Marvel's had, like, really solid success over the years, too. So, uh, like, legitimately, I'm not surprised. And I'm sure if you do something for a long time, like, sometimes people want to change it up. <laughs> So good for him, I suppose, unless somebody forced him to do it. Yeah, I I think it's a good thing. It's, you know, you take away the responsibility of managing, like, or directing an entire company, doing a whole company-wide thing versus, you know, focusing your attention on something you're passionate about. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I tend to agree overall. I, I if I am putting on my tinfoil hat for a minute, and and reading this as a part of a larger overall trend, you know, I already mentioned that the major Pokemon titles that have been produced outside of Game Freak in the last 10 years, let's say, Masuda has had a fairly significant hand in. I think that that is the direction this is going in. Not to say that Papa Masuda will not have a hand in anime and TCG and new properties and new things that they're doing with the, the franchise. But I would not at all be surprised if we're going to start seeing more and more games that bear a strong resemblance to what we consider the core franchise games being made by outside developing studios to allow Game Freak to take more time to develop the core series games, which has been the criticism for like a decade now, right? These games are clearly rushed. They have cut content. We're not happy with them. And Masuda is going to bridge that link. That That is my speculation, is that we're going to see Ilka and probably some other studios take up the reins on some off-year titles, and that Masuda will be assisting them directly. That sounds reasonable. But yeah, that is all the news we have to talk about tonight that is not directly, extremely directly Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Um, so once again, if that is not content that you are here for, more power to you. Papa bless, Papa Keese. Um, I hope y'all have a good one. We love your faces and we will see you next time when, whenever that is. Uh, have a good one, Tom, and probably no one else. All right, now that Tom's gone, um, that little shithead. No, nah, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing, you guys. Uh, friend of the show, um, Tom, Tom Archard. Is it Archard? Yep. It's been a while. Yeah. Tom Archard, uh, specifically asked us to, to be very explicit with spoiler tags for, for SV. So I'm just, I'm just busting his balls. Just, just, just a little.
little bit, just a little bit. Um, so if you have somehow been living under a rock, the other enormous piece of Pokemon news that we got on June the 1st was a brand spanking new three minute trailer, which included all sorts of goodies, uh, notably including a, a significant amount of in-game footage, uh, new character reveals, new Pokemon reveals. And of course, as we've come to expect in like the second major trailer for a new Pokemon game, we got the reveal of our cover legendaries. But honestly, even with all of the expected things in this trailer, there were quite a few nuggets some of which were very obvious and some of which you have to really kind of squint to look at uh, that were extremely interesting. So we're just going to kind of tackle this round robin style. Uh, guys, what what really excited you about the second trailer for Scarlet and Violet? Well, I'm going to I'm going to go with the low hanging fruit here and get the one that was uh, put put out to us right in front. Uh, four person multiplayer. Honestly, that sounds freaking cool you know being being able to have up to three of your friends in game with you uh it sounds they made it sound like you're gonna be able to do certain things only with or be be better able to do things with other people in the game with you i think it's gonna be really interesting it's a really cool thing that they've added in you can actually have have your friends in your game it's always been a social game and now they're they get to play with you in the same same space. Yeah, I think this is a logical progression, right? Because we saw yeah. we saw other players in your game in Sword and Shield in the wild area. And that was, to put it mildly, a clusterfuck um, <laughs> where your game was just absolutely overrun with rando randos on the Internet to the point to where they literally didn't move. They were statues um, and it sucked. It sucked a lot of shit. Uh, and the only real social interaction you got was the cell phone feed on the right hand side of your screen, which I think most of us at least grew accustomed to, but was generally fucking annoying, especially because you could almost never actually get into any of the activities it was describing your friends doing. It was definitely a first pass. It was definitely a little rough, but this seems like a clear natural progression. Okay, too many characters, Switch can't handle, limited to three friends specifically invited. Okay, cool. My big question comes, what are we going to do with them? Are they just going to be there running around? Because, I mean, that's fine if that's what it is. Or are we going to have tasks to tackle with them? Are we going to have this generation's answer to max raids? And I'm sure we will, right? Like that was one of, I think, the almost inarguable successes of Sword and Shield, although you could certainly argue like the extent of how good they were. They were definitely a, a solid new addition and a step in the right direction. I'm just, I'm really curious for the first glimpse of what that thing is going to be, and I can't wait to see it. It's, it's that moment where they were like, what if we gave you a friend group? Like an XY, but it was your actual friends <laughs> instead of a bunch of computerized jackasses who you hate and call you a nickname you don't want. I think it's yeah. neat. Implementation is going to be interesting. We were joking before this recording that when your friends are playing with you, all battles will be either double, triple, or or the new quad battles. Um, Battle Royale. Which would be absolutely crazy. Yeah, again, I, I really think that the big question, the fact that this exists overall positive no complaints what are they gonna do with it that is the the thing right and we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah yeah between i think you know just off the cuff i think obviously max raid or something similar to it makes sense uh something similar to the dynamax adventures i think that went over pretty well 
but I'd I'd love to have like overworld actual things you can do. And so I'm I'm really hopeful that that'll there'll be some good interaction there. What about you, Annabeth? What did you like about the new trailer? Did you like it nice? Yeah, can we talk for uh, for a second on the cultural representation in the player characters? Uh, like I'm so glad that you brought it up because I was going to if you didn't. Yeah, like legitimately, there is a lot of differentiation in the presentation of the player character, uh, including hair, like skin color, um, also like just facial structure, which I think is really great. Pokemon is like a, a obviously a global brand, and every game we see more of the Pokemon world, which means there are people from all over the world, and that's never been very well reflected. I think in the games. So even though I'm not as much of a fan of the new art style, I think this is like a really good thing and a really big deal. Oh, it's a huge positive change. The fact that there are like textured black hairstyles for the first time that your player character can wear in a Pokemon game is cannot be overstated. Like it is wonderful. They tried in Sword and Shield. They failed pretty miserably. They just had the same sad white boy cornrows they always have. It wasn't it wasn't good. It was not good. These ones are good. Like, I'm I'm very, very pleased with Game Freak for going that extra mile for for diversity and representation. Yeah, I I agree. It's definitely a positive step forward for for representation for a worldwide brand. Good, good stuff. So. Can we talk for a moment? Now, I'm going to mention something and you're all going to think that I am jumping to Le Chonk, right? And, And don't get me wrong. Le Chonk is incredible, and I love him dearly. I told y'all in episode one that I fucking love pig Pokemon, and we have this little sweet boy. Instead of a Rattata, we've got a, a sad pig, and I just want to make it all better for him and love him. But that's not the point. In in the same snippet where we meet our beloved baby Le Chonk and we learn his beautiful name, we get a glimpse of the battle UI. And the UI is fucking clean, you guys. It is clean as shit. And it seems, it seems, based on the footage we saw, to be maybe the best possible blend of traditional mainline Pokemon mechanics and Legends Arceus mechanics. We see very clearly the player character sneaking up on a group of very tense Smoliv. I don't know this for sure, but that certainly seemed to at least imply that timid Pokemon can flee from you. And then when you run into them, you immediately trigger a traditional Pokemon battle. And unlike Legends, we got like the camera zoom, the the cool camera angles that we got in Sword and Shield before it immediately zoomed out to a more Legends Arceus style battle. We were in the real world with the same background we already had. We had the UI on the right and the Pokemon's name and HP bar above its head. No EXP bar under your mod, which means we're very likely going back to the system where you seamlessly get your EXP and your levels like after the fact and not a sign of a strong style or an agile move or or like an order of operations list on the side of the menu. None. We're getting traditional Pokemon mechanics utilizing the best parts of what worked with combat in Legends, and I'm fucking stoked for it. Yeah, no, the UI looked really nice. Like it, and I, it didn't look like it took up a whole great ton of screen real estate either. Like it was enough to be able to see everything, but not so much that it's like this big old honking section that's blocked out. Yeah, no, I, I think it looks great. I didn't even notice. (laughs) (laughs) 
but that sounds cool. It, it looks nice. Like again, my biggest fear coming into this was that we were just going to go full legends, like legends super outperformed. That's just the thing that we're doing from now on. But like, I've always really liked how cinematic Pokemon battles are. And the ones in legends, while I liked the fact that they were grounded in the world, they super just weren't like, it was just Pokemon attack, Pokemon attack, faint, collect your shit, move on. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel epic the way to me, a good Pokemon battle should. And it seems like they have found the happy medium here. We'll see if that's true. It's possible that this is just like a heavily curated clip. And it looked that way and no, fuck you. We're right back in legends town, baby. Um, there was also no sign of an overworld thrown Pokeball, which I don't know. I don't know how I feel about. Like, I think that you could have kept chucking balls and it would have been fine. But I'm not like I'm not weeping to see the, the thing go either. Yeah, I. I legendarily had a very bad time throwing Pokeballs in Legends Arceus, so I will not miss it. <laughs> I was always the person who threw it right as the damn thing, like looked forward. Just would spin and just get whapped in the face. And I'd be like, damn it, again. Yeah, I I'm hopeful on that that section that, you know, we kind of go back to the it and it does look like we're going back to the more traditional pull the ball out of your bag and throw. Um you know, maybe maybe there's a a return for a safari zone kind of thing where they, they bring the the actual legends mechanics in. I think that'd be fun. But that would be super cool. That'd be a great use of those mechanics. I agree. Yeah, but I'm I'm partial to the pull the ball out of your bag and throw versus run around and chuck things everywhere. Legends and Let's Go were good for the experiences they are. I don't want those to be my core mainline Pokemon games. I'm sorry, guys. I know that a lot of you disagree. I just don't. I mean, it's also important to remember that while because of timetables, like things, games get prepped so early, <laughs> like they have basically a, a year to absorb feedback from legends and like iterate on that and like their next release. So chances are like, yes, some of it's direct feedback. Some of it's hard to, it was like pre-coding. <laughs> it's like what they wanted to do. So I, I always find it more telling the release after. So it's like one and we have the next one, which borrows some things. And then the one after is like, okay, we, we did learn from two ago. So I guess we'll see what that looks like when we, uh, when we hit Gen Gen Ten, so how about it, Pat? You got anything else you're excited about? Um, I'm excited for like version differences, and I'm highlighting this spe specifically with the professors. You know, you, it looks like you get one professor for Scarlet, one for Violet, and they are very obviously. I mean, obviously they're different gender, but that's that's a little less of what I'm poking at. You know, I'm poking more at the theme. You know, it seems like uh, is, is, is the theme Sada. sexy? Because I've I never mean, been such a messy, sweaty, bi curious mess in my fucking life. Uh, look, you're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, it's Pride Month. <laughs> the Pokemon Company was like, here you go. <laughs> Starting guess, out with a bang. A yes, they're both incredibly hot, and they will be forever. Uh, Turo, Turo, the male. Probably the hottest one so far, I think. Uh, hard, of the male, hard disagree. Of the males, uh, of the male. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm fucking not, zaddy, man. Fucking I'm zaddy. Not, I'm less into him than other people are. Professor Zaddy. I don't like, know. 
if I had to choose one beforehand, it'd be Kukui. So Kukui also extremely horny, like maybe the yes. horniest professor. Yeah, but <laughs> but I I like the uh, the idea of the differences, like the Sada being part of the past and Turo being more futuristic looking, and how how that's going to play out between the differences in the versions and within the versions itself. Um, I think it's definitely indicative of a larger theme throughout the two versions, because if you look at the legendary reveal, which we haven't talked about yet specifically, their designs are definitely more rooted in a, like a more traditional versus like a more futuristic modern presentation. So it'll be interesting to see how far that goes. Excuse me. Are you referencing dragon motorcycle and dragon bad, bad, bad dragon? (laughs) The purple one is a dick. Okay. And I know this is the content that y'all, the high quality content that you come the to BDR for, but like, fuck, this is the most blatant dick shaped Pokemon since fucking Combuskin. Like it's, it's unreal. This thing has curvature. It has, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It has a nice little package. It's, it is a nice you, little package. You cannot tell me, you cannot tell me this was not intentional. There's no fucking way. <laughs> Somebody in a boardroom absolutely greenlit that. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> hell yeah, that's exactly what we're marketing to kids. Bam. James Turner just went home and just wanked furiously. <laughs> like, yeah, I got it. I got it in. <laughs> Look, they got to appeal to us, the older generations that are still playing. This was this was a last gift to me from Papa Masuda, and I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. Papa bless. Thank you. I I don't I actually I really do like this legendary pair. I also I'm going to I'm going to shoot a shot right here as well. First of all, all the character design. We we got introduced to several new characters, not just uh Professor Sada and Professor Turo, uh who are very neat and attractive characters both of them. We also met the apparent rival Namona. Um she was well designed awesome. without being over designed, which I, I liked and appreciated. All the characters are very good. The characters seem to be more in the style of new Pokemon Snap than a traditional Pokemon game, uh, which is definitely different and and lends a an older look to them, but I don't think that's inherently a bad thing, especially considering that if you introduce a new Pokemon girl, people immediately set out drawing porn of them. So at least I can be like, uh, she looks about 17 instead of that's a baby gross it's still gross and y'all should be ashamed but like fuck you know it took less than an hour no it's it's wild it's been pointed out multiple times since the first trailer that the pokemon centers in scarlet and violet appear to be outdoor like filling stations like gas stations which makes sense from a gameplay perspective this is an open world game and you don't have to render the inside of a building to go in um and also there is a like a vespa culture in Spain, uh, w- which is the nation that this region is clearly drawing influence from. Um, I'm, it is very clear that both of these dragon legendaries, uh, Koridon and Miridon, are forms of transit. Like, like they 100% are. Um, Koridon is just a fucking motorcycle. Like it's a fucking, uh, it's a fucking Harley David fucking Apache chief, fucking big tribal headdress. Like it's a fucking motorcycle, big tire coming out of its chest. And Miridon is like a future, like hover bike, right? Like they both got handlebars when you look at them from the right angle. Like, so, so again, my called shot is there, there's obviously a clear, 
past and future like thematic element running through here i would not at all be surprised if you get some form of rotom vespa in scarlet and like hover bike or hoverboard or some shit in fucking violet and then eventually throughout the game those are upgraded to be you riding the fucking legendaries a la soaring in or ass and i think that if that is the case if that is correct, that's fucking rad. Uh, soaring was an incredible mechanic that, that really helped like solidify meaning for those legendary mon that are so often just box filler. Um, and I would love the opportunity to do something meaningful out in the world with the cover legendary. So you know, uh, do some legendary racing for uh, BP. Hell yeah. Like, hell yeah. I, I, again, this would be the biggest drop bag in history if some version of this is not true. Right. Like these things are clearly like bikes. They're fucking bike dragons, and I want to ride it. It's going to be a whole pod racing section. <laughs> um, yes. So so let's talk for a moment. Let's talk for a moment about that open world. Because they announced in the opening trailer that this is an open world, the first true open world Pokemon game. And they have doubled down in that in tweets and messaging and literature since the second trailer dropped, indicating that this is a game that you are going to be able to progress through in any order, regardless of story. How do we feel about that, guys? I think it's neat. I also think it's pretty neat. Um, I'm interested to see how it'll be implemented, particularly if we're going back to, like, gyms. Um, but I, I, I love the freedom to be able to take my, my personal Pokemon adventure and go whatever way I desire. Like that's that fills me. I also think that it's really cool, I, but I I am concerned because I feel like it has the opportunity to be terribly implemented. Um, don't forget the Kanto portion of Heart Gold Soul Silver is open world too, and aside from the boss battles, it's entirely fucking forgettable because it's awful. Which isn't to say that this will be certainly. But there becomes a question, like you mentioned, Pat, of how are boss battles being handled? Do they simply scale to you? Are these going to be gym leaders that have different teams for every stage? If so, how well constructed are all eight of those teams for eight different gym leaders? And, like, are you still able to maintain any level of challenge in the game? And you might be screaming, well, 3D Pokemon games have never been challenging. And to a greater or lesser degree, that's mostly true. I would argue that Gen 7 is a very glaring exception to that rule uh but they should be and, and like i would like to see more challenge added back into the series not less and that's a major concern i also tend to like pokemon games with a heavy narrative and i don't know that it's going to be possible to tell one if it's truly an open world game i think that we're much more likely to get uh, a light story xy experience which don't get me wrong We'll add a ton of replay value to these games, both in terms of story not getting in your way and being able to play them differently. These might be the most replayable Pokemon games ever if done correctly, but I, I appreciate that initial playthrough, meeting the characters, immersing in the region, and I'm worried that that experience is going to suffer as a result of this decision. And there's really nothing to do but wait and see, but I am, I am praying that uh papa papa Iwao, i guess i god it's not it's not papa fucking masuda anymore uh but i'm praying that game freak does not let us down in that regard i think that you can have a pretty strong good central narrative that is doesn't force you to go from one place to the next and you can pick that up whenever you feel like it could just simply be that there's a lot to do 
like in every area that you go to and what order you do it in doesn't matter really if you have the scaling like there are think of it as like leads or threads right in a story there's a bunch of them that tie together once you complete them all but where you find those leads and like what's going on there doesn't necessarily always have to happen in a sequential order like you see that a lot with um with novels um, so it can be well done, but I understand where your concern is. It can also be very poorly done. Um, but legitimately, I think it's also important to remember that while freedom is, is freedom, distance on a map is a thing. And the likelihood that people will play the game in a specific order, just by virtue of the fact that they're going to stumble across a town or a place sooner rather than later means that there are more likely configurations of events. So that does allow you to structure some things around that. Like the second playthrough is generally where where you're like, I don't want to go to this town. I went to this town first. I'm going to go all the way to the end of the map and go to this town first and go do that and then see how that changes things. But if I'm just walking in a new game I've never played before, I'm like, oh, there's a town here. Oh, there's something going on here. Like I'm going to go do the story elements that are there, I guess is my point. So Yes, the freedom is there, but people are people. <laughs> people are going to interact with the stuff that's in front of them. No, that's that's more than fair. And and again, like I'm not trying to cry wolf here. Like we we haven't seen how it's implemented. I just I know in my heart that Game Freak is not always the best at implementing new ideas on the first go round. It's true. Uh, and they're also often very reactionary. Although I that actually works in our favor because the story in the initial playthrough of Sword and Shield was not the best. So maybe it'll get a little bit more attention this time around and, and be a little bit more polished um, for for sure. Although the character designs, again, have been excellent for basically the entire 3D era, if not going back a little further than that. Really, as long as James Turner has been with Pokemon, character design has been top fucking notch. Um, hopefully that continues here. It's it is so far, at least. Um We've hit almost everything. Um, just as a quick rundown, we did get introduced to several new Pokemon, including uh, our Pikachu clone, Pawmy, an electric mouse dog thing. I, I don't know what it is, but it's cute and it has big hair, so it's going to get along with Quaxley fabulously. Um, we also were introduced to Smoliv, a very nervous olive friend who is grass and normal type, and Lechonk, our normal type pig, best friend, love of our lives. Alongside the aforementioned legendaries, uh, Co-Ridon and Miridon. Uh, guys, do you have strong feelings about the, the new Mon? Do you have any particular standout favorites? I mean, I feel like everybody loves LeChonk. Like, trailer came out while I was at work and people were running around yelling about LeChonk. Good. Good. Uh, Let us feast. <laughs> um, none of, I mean, yeah, they're, they're cute. They're definitely cute. Don't get me wrong. But... None of them super stand out to me. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm annoyed or just a little put off that our our Pika clone is another electric mouse. I mean, they, they've all been mo- most of them at least. Like you know, yeah, fucking Pachirisu's a squirrel, sure. Fucking yeah. Morpico's a hamster. They're all rodents. Yeah, I I'm fine with the rodent part. It's just like. And they're, it's like sitting there next to a Pikachu. And it's like, eh. 
I'm sure we're going to find out more about like some real off the wall fucking Spanish mouse animal that it's based on. It'd be like, oh, I have oh no that's doubt. rad. But you're like, yeah, right now it's pretty, it's pretty unimpressive compared to recent generations, which have given us Togedemaru and more Pico who legitimately fucking slap. Yes. Um, Lechonk is definitely like a cute little teacup pig. And I expect him to be like a big old freaking monster when he evolves. Um, Smoliv. Smoliv is so cute. He's, He's very so cute. sad and so shy and so nervous. Is indeed. All, all the Smoliv garden memes have been fantastic. <laughs> garden. The Smoliv garden memes have been incredible. But but apparently, like its dex entry says that if you startle it, it'll basically spray you with fucking uh, olive oil and run away. Uh, I'm guessing that's going to happen in the overworld. Honestly, that's my shot is that they are going to slow you with olive oil and run away if you scare them. That'd be pretty cool. Have overworld effects. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I'm sure I'll get more attached to him as time goes on. So when I first watched the trailer, um, I was immediately drawn to me right on. I I, I wonder why. Uh, but like, like legitimately, like the, the, the glowy yellow bits and the fucking jet engines and shit. I was like, this thing is weird and cool and I fucking love it. But the more I look at these legendaries, the more I just really, really deeply love Co-Ridon. It's, it's such a cool design. Um, unlike me right on who just has fucking jet turbines on his ass um i i feel like the the bike elements of of co-ridon are a little more understated comparatively like it looks like a dragon with some kind of tire coming out of its chest not a motorcycle cosplaying as a dragon um whereas as me right on looks a little bit like latios's raver cousin i i definitely i i'm not selecting my version yet my version i think is going to depend a lot on version exclusives as we learn about those but if i was basing it just off of the version differences we know so far the professors and the legendaries i would be playing scarlet as my primary cartridge same i'm violet all the way that's my jam that's fair. Th- those are still good things. Like, I'm not knocking it. And I'm going to buy them both. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, always do. But, yeah. um, you know. But, I mean, talking about that, though, I actually, I really like the design of both the legends. Like, they're, they're legit. I don't think they are as good as other recent cover legendaries. They'll probably grow on me with time, especially as we see them in motion and in animation and in ride form, if that really is a thing, like I'm hoping it is. Um, but like right now, if I compare them to Zacian and Zamazenta or especially to Sol Galeo and Lunala, not not feeling it like that. I think I've got them I've got them over the dogs. I wasn't super impressed by Zacian and Zamazenta, but Lunala, Sol Galeo, and particularly when they get into like uh, the necrozma forms mm-hmm. i i'm with you there but they're still good like that's not oh, a yeah. knock that's just saying that and it's another thing like w- when you spend less time with mons you, you inherently tend to get a little bit less excited about them it happens yeah. um the last thing that i really want to hit on from this trailer is the fact that we saw several pokemon in this trailer from old generations that we have not seen in the wild in a very it's, long time it's um, the return of venonat it's the return of venonat this is the first region that Venonat has been in the wild in, I believe, since Johto. Um, that's before, what I see. Uh, in before a regional Venomoth? You know, I, I wouldn't be upset. But yeah, Venonat's here. We love to see it. Uh, Pat, your girl Forges is back. 
Yeah. Uh, we saw we saw Flabebe, and Flabebe's legitimately tiny, which I, mm-hmm. I fucking love. Um, I, I I appreciate that fact a lot. Um, I think that there's a very real chance here that we're going to see all of the Pokemon that have not yet made an appearance on the Switch be in this game in one form or another, um, which I'm really hoping would then open the way for the the battle cart that I have been so desperately aching for um, and a return in some shape or form of some form of battle frontier. Give it to us. If you're going to have all the Pokemon on the console, put them all in one title. It doesn't need much of a story mode. If any, just let us fucking fight Mons. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they, they actually showed quite a few returning Pokemon. Uh, like I saw Talonflame, Cryogonal, Lorantis, which I like yeah, Lorantis. L- Lorantis is rad. Yeah, and several of those were in Sword and Shield, but were not in until the DLC, uh, which mm-hmm. a lot of people wouldn't have played. So I think those are still really good shouts, really good ads um, to bring them back into the lexicon for the more ca- casual fan. Uh, but yeah, that, those are all my notes on the trailer, guys. Did you have anything else to add? Nope. I mean, we didn't see uh, any sort of re- <laughs> gimmick. So as far as we know... There, there is no uh, Z Mega Dyna Gauntlet. Well, for the for the last several generations, there has been some kind of hint to some kind of gimmick on the box art, which we did see in this trailer. Um, and if you look at the logos on the box art, there are these little circles with symbols inside, and one of those is like extremely clearly an hourglass. I'm calling my shot with everything else in this game. We're getting some sort of time based gimmick, whether it's a battle gimmick or a gameplay gimmick. Either way, that is going to be a thing in this game. I'm kind of hoping, you know, we've talked on multiple podcasts at this point comparing the 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 Pokemon gimmick cycle of everything since X and Y to the borrowed power cycle of several prominent modern MMOs like World of Warcraft. And World of Warcraft has finally decided, you know what? We hear you guys. You don't like the fucking borrowed power. We're giving up on it. And I'm I'm holding out hope that Game Freak got the same message and we're fucking done with it. I would really like that to be the case. Like, find ways to shake up the existing mechanics. Don't just add new mechanics to take them back away again. Please? It's going to be a time-based mega evolution. You either move your mon evolved into the future or to the past. <laughs> you know, something that I think would allow them to make a much more difficult Pokemon game, um, while still being very intro-friendly to kids, and wouldn't necessarily affect the harder core competitive players with that borrowed power that's so frustrating Give us a regional gimmick where once a battle, you can replay a turn. You get a redo. And it doesn't affect anything multiplayer. You cannot use it against other players. But this would allow you to make boss battles really legitimately hard. Give players starting out who are learning a chance to redo their mistakes and learn more per attempt, if not one shot everything. And allow older players who want that challenge to just simply not use it. I think that could be a really, really cool introduction if that's a direction they want to go in. It's probably not. I just think that it would be neat. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yep. And that'd be interesting. And hopefully we find out soon. We'll uh, find out in they're September. Gonna, they're going to give me a fucking time turner and I'm going to be Hermione fucking Granger and it's going to be incredible. Actually, no, I'm not because fuck, fuck Harry Potter. I don't even know. The reference was right there, but fuck, I'm still mad I took it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say anything. Hey, JK Rowling, fuck you. If you're listening, hi, also fuck you. 
Yeah, quite a bit, actually. <laughs> um, all right, guys, that's going to be our, our show for today. Um, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is releasing on November 18th, one week before your boy's birthday. So that's really exciting. I'm sure we will talk to all of you again before then, um, whether that's when the next bit of news around these games come out or when something else exciting happens that we just want to chat about or we get a wild hair up our ass to talk about some weird shit. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed. Um, thank you for your continued love and support. We really appreciate you guys. Um, I do want to thank everybody who joined us today. As always, I want to give a very special thank you to my co-hosts for the evening, Annabeth Maservier and Patrick Miller. For Last Burn Radio, I have been Stephen Charbonneau. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. See you next time, folks. See you later. Last Burn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Stephen Charbonneau. If you enjoy Blastburn Radio, you can support us over at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at GlitchXCity. Closing music in today's episode is Shoal Cave Remix Version 2, also by GlitchXCity. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.